Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'd always felt a deep bond with the wilderness a profound connection with nature that made the cityscape's concrete jungles feel suffocating. When I received my acceptance letter as a park ranger at the Great Smoky Mountains National Park, I was ecstatic. Here was an opportunity to truly make a difference while being enveloped by nature's majesty. My name is Sam Thompson, and my journey into the wild, unknowable heart of the Smokies began on a brisk summer morning. The day was clear, the sky vast and cloudless its vastness only rivaled by the sprawling sea of green peaks and valleys that stretched into the horizon. A silent promise of adventure, perhaps a hint of danger, but ultimately an irresistible call to the unknown. The ranger station was an unassuming structure nestled in the crook of two towering hills, a comforting oasis of human architecture amidst the wild expanse. As I stepped inside, I was met by the rich aroma of brewed coffee and a symphony of radios crackling with static. It was here I met the team, a diverse bunch united by a shared respect for nature's wild beauty and the steely resolve to protect it. Mike, a grizzled veteran ranger with laughter lines etched deep into his face, extended a warm, firm handshake, while Lara, a spirited ecologist with an infectious passion for the park's biodiversity, welcomed me with an encouraging smile. There were others, of course, each with their unique quirks and stories, but all sharing an unspoken bond an appreciation for the immense responsibility we held as custodians of the park. In the late afternoon, after the station's bustle had eased, I decided to take a solitary walk. The towering trees cast long shadows, the sun beginning its descent behind the hills. A rustle caught my attention, a flash of russet brown between the trees. A deer, it seemed, but as it raised its head to look at me, something was off. Its eyes held an eerie intelligence that made a chill creep up my spine. Then the deer made a noise, a sound so surreal that I was frozen in my tracks. It was a whisper, eerily similar to a human voice. The words were incoherent, but the tone was unmistakable. It was a call for help. I blinked, and the deer was gone, leaving only the echo of its uncanny cry. I shook my head, convincing myself that the exhaustion from the day had played tricks on my mind. Little did I know that this was just a prelude a first taste of the eerie symphony that the Smoky Mountains had in store. My tenure as a park ranger had officially begun, and with it, the veil was about to be lifted, revealing the true nature of the park. The wilderness I thought I knew was about to challenge my very understanding of reality, and there was no turning back. My second day at the park dawned bright and early. I awoke to the symphony of birdsong and the aroma of dew-soaked leaves. The allure of the great Smoky Mountains had not dulled with the setting sun, it had merely transformed, offering a different face under the morning light. At the ranger station, the day started with an informal briefing. Mike outlined our duties, peppering his monologue with anecdotes and advice. Each story carried a subtle lesson about the unpredictability of the wilderness. It was humbling to realize that despite our modern tools and technology, we were still at the mercy of nature's whims. 
As the day progressed, I got to know my fellow rangers better. Their stories varied, yet a common theme echoed throughout, an awe-inspiring respect for the park and its unexplained mysteries. Their eyes twinkled with a mix of fear and fascination when they shared tales of unusual animal behaviors, uncharted trails that led nowhere, and hikers who had gotten lost only to reappear inexplicably miles away from their last known locations. In the fading light of the afternoon, I found myself drawn to the trail where I had encountered the strange deer. I followed the familiar path, the trees whispering untold stories in the wind. The forest seemed different in daylight, less menacing but still holding onto its secrets with a quiet dignity. As I walked, I could almost hear the echo of that eerie whisper that had sent chills down my spine the previous evening. The deer with its intelligent eyes, the human-like cry it had made, it all seemed impossible in the stark daylight. I told myself it was just a product of my imagination, fueled by the anxiety and excitement of my new position. I spent the rest of the day patrolling, getting to know the winding trails, the hidden brooks, and the tranquil meadows of the park. The beauty of the Smokies was breathtaking, a tranquil oasis of green punctuated by the vibrant colors of wildflowers and the constant background music of the forest. Returning to the ranger station, I found myself equally awestruck and apprehensive. The Great Smoky Mountains were indeed beautiful, an untouched piece of heaven on earth, but underneath its verdant beauty was an undercurrent of something else, something that lurked in the shadows and mimicked human voices. As I settled in for the night, I couldn't shake off the haunting image of the strange deer. I decided to share my experience with the other rangers the next day. My curiosity peaked. Unbeknownst to me, this decision would set off a chain of events that would lead me into the deepest mysteries of the park, a journey that would transform my understanding of the world and my place in it. The next morning dawned with the chirping of birds and a gentle breeze that rustled the leaves. As I walked into the main area of the station, I felt a knot of anticipation in my stomach. Would sharing my experience with the deer make me sound unhinged? Would my colleagues think less of me, or worse, question my competence? After our regular morning briefing, I decided to bite the bullet. I described my encounter, choosing my words carefully, trying to make it sound less like a creepy campfire story, and more like a fascinating anomaly. To my surprise, there was no laughter, no ribbing. Instead, there were nods of understanding, even a few knowing smiles. Mike, his face serious but not unkind, began to share stories of his own. He spoke of strange happenings, of eerie sounds in the night, and of shadows that seemed to move on their own. His stories weren't told in a tone of fear, but rather a kind of resignation, a concession to the fact that there were things in the park that they couldn't explain, things that defied rationality. Lara chimed in too, adding her own experiences. She described instances where she'd felt an uncanny presence, or when her usually reliable compass would spin erratically for no discernible reason. Her scientific mind struggled with these anomalies, but she'd come to accept that the park held mysteries that perhaps were beyond our comprehension. These revelations, rather than alleviating my unease, intensified it. The realization that such strange phenomena were accepted as part of the job was hard to digest. How did one make peace with the idea of sharing space with the inexplicable, the uncanny? Yet there was a strange comfort in knowing that my experience wasn't an isolated incident. It was as if a veil had lifted, revealing a world that existed parallel to ours, 
intertwining with our reality in the most unexpected ways. It was daunting, but at the same time, undeniably fascinating. As I lay in bed that night, the forest's usual serenade of cricket chirps and rustling leaves seemed to carry a different note. Each echo was a whisper of untold stories, each shadow a concealed mystery. I wondered about the strange deer, its eerie mimicry, and what it could possibly signify. The unease was still there, a dull thrum in the back of my mind. Yet, alongside it, a newfound resolve was beginning to take shape. I was here for a reason, and I would do my best to uncover the truth behind these mysteries, to ensure the safety of the park's visitors, and perhaps come to terms with the uncanny in my own way. After all, I was a park ranger. I was here to protect and understand the wilderness, in all its beauty and terror. And this was just the beginning. As days turned into weeks, my life at the Smokies settled into a pattern. Each day brought new challenges, and with them, an ever-deepening respect for the wilderness. But along with the quiet satisfaction of fulfilling my duties came the persistent undercurrent of unease. One day, while digging through old reports in the station's cramped archive room, I stumbled upon a thick folder labeled Missing Persons. Out of curiosity, I leafed through the files, each one detailing the disturbingly similar cases of park visitors who had vanished without a trace. Names, ages, last known locations, speculated paths, all meticulously recorded, but with no conclusive explanations or outcomes. As the number of files grew, so did my concern. It wasn't unusual for inexperienced hikers to lose their way, but the frequency of these incidents and the fact that many happened in well-charted areas was unsettling. I brought this up with Mike later that evening. He glanced at me, his expression grave, and sighed. Yes, he knew about them. The disappearances had been a troubling part of the park's history for as long as he could remember. They were the whispers that echoed through the trees, the chill that hung in the air long after a search party returned empty-handed. But it's not just the disappearances, Mike added, his voice barely above a whisper. Sometimes they come back, disoriented, with no memory of their lost time, as if they walked through a veil into another world and then slipped back into ours. His words sent shivers down my spine. I thought of the strange deer, the oddities we'd all experienced, the feeling of an unseen presence. Was there a connection? That night as I lay in my bed, I found sleep elusive. The wilderness outside, once a comforting presence, now seemed to hide untold dangers. Yet, amidst the fear, a sense of determination welled up within me. I was here not just as a bystander, but as a protector, a guardian. If there was a threat, it was my duty to understand and counter it. However, the Smokies had their own rhythm and secrets. Their majestic peaks and lush forests were a testament to nature's untamed beauty, but within their shadows lurked mysteries that were as unnerving as they were captivating. How did one seek answers in a world that defied understanding? As the moon bathed the park in its silvery glow, I decided to make it my mission to unravel these mysteries, to find the link between the strange occurrences the vanishing visitors, and the park's unknown entity. To find the missing pieces of this enigma and fit them together, I was a park ranger. I was here to protect, to serve, and to understand. No matter how deep the shadows, how eerie the whispers, or how uncanny the phenomena, I would face them head on. After all, as the saying goes, not all those who wander are lost. Some of us are just seeking answers, 
Two weeks into my journey as a park ranger, I found myself navigating the sprawling expanse of the Smokies with growing confidence. My initial unease had given way to a quiet resolve. I was here to unravel the park's mysteries, and I had begun to see every anomaly, every unexplained incident as a clue. One day we received news that a seasoned hiker named George had not returned from his usual trail. A knot of apprehension formed in my stomach. I had met George on a few occasions, a cheerful man with a ready smile, well acquainted with the park's trails. Something was wrong. We quickly formed a search party. Mike, Lara, a few others, and I packed our gear and set off towards George's usual trail. As we delved deeper into the wilderness, I couldn't shake off the sense of being watched. It was an intangible feeling, a shiver that ran down my spine every so often. As we followed the trail George was known to frequent, our reliable tools began to falter. My GPS, usually accurate to the meter, spun aimlessly, its needle dancing in erratic circles. Our radios, our lifelines back to the station, filled with static, reducing our communications to indecipherable gibberish. Panic fluttered in my chest, but I pushed it down. We needed to stay calm, focused. Yet, even as I put on a brave face, I couldn't ignore the distinct sensation of time slipping away from us, as though we'd crossed an invisible threshold into an alternate realm. Hours seemed to blend into each other, the afternoon sun hanging in the sky like a frozen celestial body. Our search yielded no results, just a deepening sense of unease. Eventually, we decided to return, our hearts heavy with the grim possibility of George's fate. The journey back was equally disorienting. Our faulty devices continued to play tricks, and the forest seemed to shift around us, familiar landmarks appearing out of place. When we finally stumbled upon the ranger station, it felt like surfacing from a deep dive, gasping for breath. That night, as I lay in bed, I replayed the day's events over and over in my head. The eerie stillness of the forest, the faulty devices, the inexplicable stretch of time. It was as if the Smokies themselves were keeping us away from something, guiding us off a path we were not meant to tread. My encounter with the strange deer, the tales of unexplained phenomena, the disappearances, and now George. A pattern was emerging, a chilling narrative of a hidden presence in the park. It was elusive, powerful, and seemingly capable of bending reality to its will. As fear battled with fascination within me, I was beginning to realize the magnitude of my mission. This was not just about solving a mystery, it was about understanding a force that existed outside the realm of our comprehension. And somewhere in the midst of this tangled enigma, I felt a personal stake. I was a part of this narrative, and I was determined to see it through, for George, for the park, and for myself. Days following George's disappearance were a blur. The park, usually a bustling hub of activity, fell into a subdued silence. His absence echoed louder than the whispers in the trees, louder than the haunting call of the strange deer. We were united in our silent vigil, waiting for George to re-emerge from the forest's embrace. Three days later, just as the last vestiges of hope were beginning to flicker out, George reappeared. He was found by a group of early morning hikers, dazed and disoriented, standing at the edge of a well-trodden path he should have easily recognized. We were overjoyed, relieved, but also deeply perplexed. George had no recollection of his lost time. He remembered setting off on his hike, the sun warming his face as he took the familiar trail. His next memory was of waking up to the concerned faces of the hikers who found him. 
We listened in rapt attention as he narrated his fragmented experience. His confusion, his fear mirrored our own. And amidst his disjointed memories, he recalled one peculiar detail, a deer. A seemingly ordinary deer that had looked at him with a strange intensity, its call echoing in his mind even though he couldn't quite remember the sound. The room fell into a profound silence as he shared this detail. It was a chilling confirmation of our fears, the uncanny link we'd suspected. The strange deer was not just an anomaly, it was an integral part of the park's mysteries, a key to the unsettling phenomena that were becoming increasingly hard to ignore. George's return only strengthened my resolve to uncover the truth. The park and its secrets were more than just unexplained anomalies. They were now an active threat to the people we had sworn to protect. And while the fear was still there, it was now overshadowed by a firm resolve, a determination to confront the unexplainable. In the days that followed, I immersed myself in the mission. I meticulously documented every detail of George's case, cross-referencing his experience with past incidents, creating a detailed map of occurrences in an attempt to find a pattern. The park had become my life. The mountains, the trees, the rivers, they were not just landscapes anymore. They were pieces of a complex puzzle, waiting to be deciphered. The whispers in the wind, the fleeting shadows, the uncanny sense of being watched. I was now attuned to them all, each strange occurrence a signpost on this extraordinary journey. As I looked out into the verdant expanse, bathed in the ethereal glow of the setting sun, I felt a renewed sense of purpose. Yes, there was fear, but also an overwhelming fascination, a relentless curiosity that propelled me forward. And although I was in uncharted territory, I was no longer a passive observer. I was an explorer, seeking answers in a wilderness that straddled the fine line between the known and the unknown. I was a park ranger. I was a guardian of the Smokies, and I would not back down until I unearthed the truth behind its enigmatic mysteries. Weeks turned into months. My initial wonder at the beauty of the Smokies had evolved into a profound respect for the mysteries they harbored. The strange occurrences, the disorienting time loss, the vanishing visitors, these anomalies had become a part of my everyday life. But instead of unsettling me, they now fueled my determination to get to the bottom of this. Late one evening, after a long day of routine checks and patrols, I settled down in the ranger station with a map of the park, reports of previous disappearances, and George's testimony. I began to plot each strange event, every missing person, every anomalous sighting. A pattern started to emerge. There was a clustering of incidents around certain areas, specific trails, dense forest sections, remote campsites, the same spots that were frequented by the uncanny deer. Could there be a direct correlation? As I sat back and surveyed the map, a thought struck me. What if this creature wasn't just a witness to these events, but somehow the cause? An unsettling possibility, but the frequency and consistency of its appearance could not be overlooked. Fueled by this newfound realization, I began to delve deeper into the park's lore. Late-night discussions with Mike and Lara gave me insights into native legends, stories passed down through generations that hinted at a voice mimic, a creature capable of imitating any sound, any voice it heard. This eerily resonated with our experiences. The deer, its human-like cry, the mimicry. Could this creature from the lore and our experiences be one and the same? However, the more I discovered, the more questions I had. How did it lure people? Why couldn't they remember their experiences? 
Was it guarding something, keeping us away from certain areas of the park? As the lines between folklore and reality blurred, I grappled with the implications. The Smokies were not just a park. They were a realm that housed an entity beyond our understanding, an entity that could influence our reality. And it was my mission to understand this, to navigate the delicate balance between fear and fascination, the known and the unknown. Night after night, I pored over the map, studying the patterns, cross-referencing legends with incidents. Each clue, each piece of the puzzle was bringing me closer to the truth. I felt like a detective on the trail of a mystery that was as intriguing as it was terrifying. Yet, I was not alone in this quest. I had my fellow rangers, brave individuals who shared my commitment to safeguarding the park and its visitors. Our resolve was a beacon that shone through the murkiness of uncertainty, guiding us as we traversed this challenging path. And while the journey was daunting, I found myself fueled by an indomitable spirit of adventure. As a park ranger, I was entrusted with the protection of the Smokies and its secrets. But I was also an explorer, venturing into the realm of the unknown, seeking to unravel the mysteries that the park cradled in its bosom. It was a mission I was determined to fulfill. With every passing day, my connection to the Smokies deepened. My senses had grown acutely attuned to its rhythms, its subtle nuances. The park was no longer just a workplace. It had become my world, each whispering tree, chattering brook, and the rustling undergrowth part of a grand symphony that played out its enigmatic melody in the heart of the wilderness. One night, as I was winding down after a particularly challenging day, an unsettling sound echoed through the dense silence of the forest. It was a cry, disturbingly human yet uncannily animalistic, a chilling mimicry that froze the blood in my veins. Instantly alert, I grabbed my flashlight and radio and followed the sound into the enveloping darkness. The usually comforting forest now felt alien and foreboding, each twisted shadow appearing more menacing than the last. But I pressed on, drawn towards the cry like a moth to a flame. As I ventured deeper, a shape emerged from the undergrowth, the strange deer, its eyes gleaming with an almost sentient intelligence. It was eerily still, its gaze fixed on me with an intensity that was almost palpable. I stood my ground, heart pounding in my chest, as we held a silent standoff. The creature then issued the same human-like cry, a wailing call that echoed off the trees and sent a shiver down my spine. Just then, the radio crackled to life, Mike's voice filtering through the static, asking about my location. I relayed my coordinates, my voice steadier than I felt. As the radio crackled out, I turned back to the deer, but it was gone, vanished, as if it was never there. I spent the rest of the night patrolling the area, my mind buzzing with questions. Was the deer calling out to me? Was it trying to communicate? Or was it another instance of it luring in the unwary? As dawn broke, painting the sky with hues of orange and pink, I returned to the ranger station, exhausted yet restless. The encounter with the strange deer was a clear indication that I was getting closer to unraveling the mystery of the park. The incident only served to strengthen my resolve. My research, my interactions with the creature, the patterns I had observed, they were all leading me to an inescapable truth. The Smokies were home to an entity that existed beyond our comprehension, an entity that could influence our reality. While this truth was intimidating, it also fueled my curiosity. As a park ranger, I had taken an oath to protect this place and its secrets. This was my mission, my purpose. 
and no matter how uncanny the phenomena or how daunting the path, I was determined to see it through to the end. After all, I was not just a park ranger. I was an explorer, a seeker of truths in a world that straddled the known and the unknown. And as the sun rose, casting a golden glow over the park, I found myself eager to continue my journey into the heart of the Smokies and its mysteries. In the wake of my chilling encounter with the strange deer, I sought wisdom from the only source that seemed to grasp the gravity of the enigma, the Native American elders. Their tales of the voice mimic, which I had initially dismissed as folklore, were aligning too closely with my own experiences. It was time to listen with an open mind. As I sat in the circle of elders, their wizened faces lined with wisdom and resilience, I felt a profound sense of respect. They spoke of an ancient spirit that dwelled in the park, a spirit capable of imitating any sound, any voice it heard. It was seen as a guardian, a gatekeeper of the Smokies' deepest secrets. The elders described its form as that of a deer, a familiar creature in the park. It had the power to influence time, leading those it chose into a realm where minutes could stretch into hours, where reality as we knew it was distorted. As they spoke, their words resonated with the truth of my experiences. The lost hikers, the strange deer, the distortion of time. It was becoming clear that the entity and the phenomena were one and the same, yet the elders didn't view the entity as malicious. They believed it was protecting something, preserving the balance between the park and the outside world. Those who went missing were not victims, but chosen ones, individuals who were led to the realm and then returned, with no memory of their experience. Listening to the elders, I felt a mix of emotions, fear, fascination, and a strange sense of relief. I wasn't losing my mind. The events weren't mere anomalies. There was an explanation, as fantastic as it seemed. As I left the gathering, I looked out towards the Great Smoky Mountains, their peaks bathed in the glow of the setting sun. They seemed serene, unassuming, yet I knew they were teeming with secrets that had survived centuries, secrets that I was just beginning to understand. The knowledge I gained from the elders fueled my resolve. I would do my utmost to respect and protect the balance the entity was guarding. The park wasn't just a tourist attraction or even a wildlife haven. It was the dwelling of an ancient spirit, a being beyond human comprehension. As a park ranger, my mission was evolving. I was no longer just a guardian of the park. I was a liaison between two worlds, the known and the unknown. It was a daunting responsibility, but one I was ready to shoulder. That night, as I lay in my bed at the ranger station, the whispers of the forest seemed less ominous, more familiar. I wasn't a stranger in the Smokies anymore. I was part of its intricate web, its ancient lore, its extraordinary reality, and I was ready to fulfill my role, ready to protect its mysteries while striving to comprehend them. As summer turned to fall, I found myself more immersed in the park than ever before. Each rustling leaf, each whispering wind seemed to carry a hidden message, a secret waiting to be discovered. My meetings with the elders had given me a deeper understanding, but there were still countless questions that lingered in my mind. One evening, while on patrol, I came across a part of the park that felt eerily familiar. It was the same spot where I had encountered the strange deer, the area where the veil between our world and the entities seemed thinnest. A shiver ran down my spine as a chilling sense of deja vu washed over me. I felt watched, observed by unseen eyes. I turned around to see the strange deer standing at the edge of the clearing, its gaze focused on me. 
but this time there was no fear, only a profound sense of recognition. I could not communicate with it, but I felt an understanding pass between us. It knew I knew. That night, as I made my way back to the ranger station, I felt a peculiar shift in the atmosphere. It was as if the forest had accepted me, recognized me not as an intruder, but as a part of its enigmatic existence. Days turned into weeks, and my experiences in the park continued to evolve. There were times when I would lose track of hours, only to find myself back at the ranger station, my memories of the elapsed time hazy and fragmented. I'd find unexplainable notes in my handwriting, maps with trails marked that I didn't remember plotting, and occasionally, a strange human-like cry echoing in my mind. As unnerving as these instances were, they also filled me with a strange sense of peace. I was being drawn into the entity's realm, experiencing the reality it existed in. The park and I had become inseparable, two entities coexisting in a delicate balance, each trying to understand the other. My conversations with Mike and Lara became more about sharing experiences and less about seeking explanations. We had all accepted the existence of the unknown in our midst, and while we were still park rangers committed to our duty, we had also become explorers, navigators charting a course through an unexplored reality. As fall gave way to winter, the park took on a surreal beauty. The snow-capped peaks shimmered in the moonlight, and the barren trees stood like silent sentinels, witnesses to the extraordinary reality that unfolded beneath their skeletal branches. And amidst this ethereal landscape, I stood, a guardian of the known and an explorer of the unknown, ready to embrace whatever the Smokies had in store. For I knew now, more than ever, that being a park ranger here was not just a duty, but a calling, one that I was ready to answer. Winter had settled over the Smokies, casting a blanket of quiet tranquility. The park was less crowded now, the biting cold a deterrent for most hikers. But there were those who braved the chill, drawn to the ethereal beauty of the snow-clad wilderness. One such brave soul was a young woman named Jenna. An experienced hiker, she was a familiar face in the park. But one frosty morning, she did not return from her trek as expected. Mike brought the news to the station, his usually calm demeanor replaced with palpable worry. We knew we had to act fast. Equipped with flashlights, radios, and a gnawing sense of deja vu, we ventured into the cold wilderness. The eerie stillness of the forest was punctuated only by the crunch of our boots on the snow and the crisp winter wind rustling through the barren trees. Our search led us to the areas where the strange occurrences were most frequent, areas where reality seemed thin and mutable. But the woods gave away no secrets. The radios crackled, GPS signals flickered, and time seemed to warp around us. Hours turned into days, and still there was no trace of Jenna. Our search grew more frantic, our resolve tinged with desperation. But then, on the third day, something inexplicable happened. We found Jenna in a remote clearing, confused but unharmed. She had no memory of the last three days, no recollection of what had transpired. It was as if she had been plucked from reality and then returned, her mind wiped clean of the experience. As we escorted her back to the safety of the ranger station, I couldn't help but feel a sense of awe. We were navigating a reality that defied logic, a reality that was as fantastical as it was disconcerting. But despite the challenges, we were making a difference, ensuring that people like Jenna returned safely from the realm of the unknown. That night, as I sat in the ranger station, reflecting on the day's events, I realized how far we had come. We had started as park rangers, 
guardians of the wilderness. Now, we were also guardians of an extraordinary secret, protectors of a delicate balance between two worlds. As the moon shone down on the tranquil expanse of the park, I couldn't help but feel a sense of contentment. This was my world, a world of towering peaks and whispering winds, a world of lost hikers and enigmatic entities, a world that balanced on the fine line between reality and folklore. And despite its challenges, despite its enigmas, it was a world I was proud to be a part of. For I was not just a park ranger, I was a keeper of secrets, a navigator of the unknown, and a guardian of the extraordinary balance that defined the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. As spring breathed life back into the Smokies, I found myself reflecting on my journey. It had been a year since I first arrived, a year filled with extraordinary revelations and incredible experiences. I had come to be a park ranger, a guardian of the wilderness, but had become so much more. From my first encounter with the strange deer to the tales of the elders, every experience had led me closer to the heart of the park, its ancient spirit. I had been chosen, just like Jenna and the others, to walk the line between two worlds, to protect and understand the extraordinary balance of the park. As I stood on the porch of the ranger station, gazing out at the vast expanse of wilderness, I felt a profound sense of belonging. The park was more than just a workplace, it was home, and I, in my role as a ranger, was more than just a guardian. I was a part of the park, its lore, and its reality. The strange deer, the voice mimic, was a constant presence, a reminder of the extraordinary entity that dwelled in the park. Its calls no longer filled me with fear, but with understanding, a reminder of the delicate balance we shared. Mike, Lara, and I continued our roles, guardians navigating the extraordinary. We shared our experiences, growing closer as we unraveled the mysteries of the Smokies. We were not just colleagues, but comrades, chosen to witness and protect the extraordinary. The hikers who wandered off returned, their memories blank slates, but their spirits untouched. The park continued its rhythm, the wilderness alive with the harmony of the known and the unknown. The elders, too, remained a source of wisdom and guidance. Their stories, once folklore to me, had become my reality, a testament to the extraordinary coexistence we were a part of. As I looked back at the past year, I realized how much I had grown, how much I had learned. Being a park ranger in the Smokies had challenged me, pushed my understanding of reality, but it had also rewarded me with experiences and insights beyond my wildest imagination. As I watched the sunrise paint the sky with hues of pink and orange, I knew I was exactly where I was meant to be. I was a park ranger, yes, but also an explorer, a guardian of secrets, a navigator of the unknown. I was an integral part of the extraordinary reality that was the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. As the new day dawned, I walked back into the ranger station, ready to start another day in my extraordinary world. For I knew that every new day in the Smokies would bring a new experience, a new insight into the extraordinary balance I was chosen to protect. The park and I, we were in this together, ready to embrace the mysteries, the challenges, and the marvels that lay ahead. After all, we were more than just a ranger and a national park. We were guardians of the extraordinary, protectors of a reality that was as mystifying as it was marvelous. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I've always found comfort in solitude. As a park ranger, it's my currency, 
my sanctuary. In the company of towering pines and tranquil lakes of Whispering Pines National Park, I found peace, a peace often interrupted by the odd family on a picnic or an ambitious hiker, but peace nonetheless. Today was no different. The early morning sun hung low in the sky, casting a soft orange hue through the heavy, dew-soaked foliage. The air was crisp, carrying the scent of pine and damp earth. I could hear the chirping of waking birds, the rustling of leaves under a gentle breeze. There was an elegant harmony to it all, the kind only nature could masterfully orchestrate. It's a humbling symphony I've listened to for the past decade, one I never tire of. My boots crunched against the underbrush as I set out on my daily patrol. The early hours were my favorite, as if the forest and I shared a private conversation before the rest of the world woke up. A rabbit bolted from a nearby bush, bounding away as I approached. A startled deer watched me from a distance, its eyes wide and cautious. The usual suspects. The woods were a living, breathing entity, each creature, each tree an essential part of its greater being. I always imagined them to have a life of their own, even the ancient pine standing tall by the oldest hiking trail. I called it the Watchman. There was an old legend that said the trees could whisper to those who listened. I'd always written it off as a fireside tale meant to entertain campers. Today, I almost wished it were true. As I ventured deeper into the park, a sense of unease began to creep in, something unusual for me. The usual calls of the wild were muffled, and the rustling leaves sounded like whispers filled with caution. The forest seemed different, as if hiding a secret. I couldn't put my finger on it but decided to shake off the feeling, chalking it up to the lingering chill in the morning air. Rounding a corner of the old creek trail, I stopped in my tracks. In front of me stood an anomaly amidst the undisturbed tranquility, an old dilapidated cabin that I had never noticed before. It sat at the edge of a clearing, covered in creeping vines and marked with the scars of time. Its mere presence was a dissonance in the symphony I knew by heart, a question in a story I thought I had answers to. My heart pounded in my chest as a new chapter in my life began to unfold one that would irrevocably change my relationship with the Whispering Pines National Park. The solitude that was my sanctuary now echoed with unknown terrors and uncertainties that lay beyond the threshold of the cabin. Despite my trepidation, curiosity tugged at me. I slowly approached the cabin, unaware that this was merely the prologue to a tale of dread, a serenade that would soon turn into an ominous, haunting lullaby. Little did I know that the cabin was a gateway, and beyond it lay a mystery that would challenge my courage, sanity, and the very understanding of the world I thought I knew. As I reached for the cabin door, the first dissonant note in the serene serenade of whispering pines was struck. The cabin door creaked open under my touch, revealing a dimly lit, musty interior that smelled of decay and damp wood. Despite the obvious signs of abandonment, there was an uncomfortable sense of someone, or something, living here. It felt like a wound on the flawless skin of the forest, raw and strange. Stepping inside, I scanned the room. My eyes fell on a single dilapidated chair, a table covered with dust and assorted knickknacks, and a crude bed in the corner. The only source of light was a tiny window, its glass coated in years of dirt and grime. But the real curiosity lay on the walls of the cabin, carved symbols etched deep into the wood, their meanings unknown and ominous. As I looked closer at these markings, a shiver ran down my spine. They were unlike anything I had ever seen, their design simultaneously simple yet intricate, 
as if created with profound intention. I had no clue what they stood for, but I couldn't shake off a nagging feeling of dread. Just when I was about to leave, a rustling sound erupted from the undergrowth outside. Startled, I spun around, rushing out of the cabin. As I squinted into the twilight, a figure emerged from the tree line. He was an old man, cloaked in ragged clothes and a wild, unkempt beard. His eyes, surprisingly bright under bushy eyebrows, flickered with a peculiar light as they met mine. Who are you? I asked, my heart pounding against my ribs. Name's Enoch, he replied with a voice that sounded like a whisper carried by the wind. There was something off about him, a strange energy that contrasted the serenity of the forest. And what are you doing out here? I questioned, trying to keep my voice steady. Living, he replied simply. He then turned his gaze towards the cabin, a hint of longing in his eyes. It was then I understood. This cabin was his home, and those markings, maybe they were his handiwork. A sense of unease washed over me as I looked back at Enoch. His eyes held a far-off look, and in that moment I knew I was dealing with no ordinary forest dweller. Seeing my apprehension, Enoch offered a wry smile, then turned towards the cabin and walked away leaving me standing there with more questions than answers. His demeanor unsettled me, not because it was threatening, but because it was inscrutable. As I watched him disappear into the cabin, the forest seemed to hold its breath. I stood rooted to the spot, a whirlwind of thoughts swirling in my mind. My routine patrol had turned into an encounter with the bizarre, a plunge into the uncanny. Unsettled and curious, I made my way back to my own cabin. The woods seemed darker, the silence deeper, and the peace I used to find in the solitude was replaced by a nagging disquiet. The first discordant notes in the serene serenade of whispering pines had been struck, and the forest would never sound the same to me again. Little did I know, this was only the beginning. In the days that followed my encounter with Enoch, the tranquility of whispering pines became a memory. I couldn't shake the image of the peculiar woodsman and the cabin with the unsettling symbols. Enoch seemed deeply intertwined with the forest, yet disturbingly out of place, like an ancient relic that belonged to another era. A new routine began to take shape in my life. On my patrols, I'd pass by Enoch's cabin, observing from a distance. The local fauna, usually unbothered by my presence, skittered away from the cabin as if they sensed something I couldn't. Enoch hardly ever came out during the day, and when he did, he would wander around aimlessly, or so it seemed. He'd often stop, touch a tree, speak a few words as if in a conversation, and then move on. One day, I mustered the courage to approach him during one of these walks. As I neared, I saw him tracing one of those peculiar symbols on the bark of an ancient oak. The air seemed to vibrate around him, as if the forest responded to his touch. Enoch, I called out, my voice echoing in the quiet forest. He turned, his eyes meeting mine. They held an uncanny understanding, an understanding that seemed ancient and deep, as though he held secrets that time itself had forgotten. Why do you etch these symbols? I asked, pointing at the tree. They speak, he responded, his voice a mere whisper. The forest listens. His cryptic words sent a chill down my spine. I was about to question further, but he simply turned away and resumed his walk, leaving me standing in the chilling silence. His words echoed in my head, amplifying the sense of unease that had started to become my constant companion. There was more to Enoch than met the eye. 
It was as if he was part of the forest, tied to it by some unseen bond. And yet, there was a tension in his presence, a subtle disturbance that felt like a storm brewing on a clear day. The symbols around his cabin, the way animals reacted to him, his strange affinity with the trees, and now these cryptic words, it all started forming a disconcerting picture. The forest, the cabin, and its peculiar resident, they were all pieces of an enigmatic puzzle, and I had unknowingly become a part of it. Every visit to Enoch's cabin, every encounter with him, was revealing a different facet of the park, a facet that was dark, uncanny, and unexplainable. As a park ranger, I was supposed to safeguard Whispering Pines, but now I stood on the threshold of a mystery that threatened to shatter the peace I was meant to protect. Sleep became elusive, and my days were consumed by thoughts of Enoch and his connection to the forest. I knew in my gut that this was only the beginning of a journey that would plunge me into a world of the supernatural, a world that existed parallel to mine, within the confines of Whispering Pines. Unknowingly, I had become a player in a game that was older than time, and I was far from understanding the rules. The weeks following my exchange with Enoch were riddled with unease. Whispering Pines, once my refuge, now hosted an invisible specter of dread. The forest, the once comforting orchestra of nature, now seemed to hold a dark undercurrent. Then one afternoon, an emergency call came through the park's radio. A family had reported their son missing. I rushed to their campsite, a familiar pit of anxiety growing in my stomach. The family was distraught, and amidst their sobs and pleas, I pieced together the story. The boy, hardly a teenager, had wandered off into the woods and hadn't returned. Launching an immediate search, we combed the forest. The sun set, plunging the forest into a shroud of inky darkness, pierced only by our flashlights and the haunting call of nocturnal creatures. Hours turned into a full day, and then two. The boy remained missing, and with every passing hour the situation grew grimmer. On the third day I found myself in the vicinity of Enoch's cabin. The forest was eerily quiet, the usual chatter of wildlife strangely subdued. It was then that I saw it, a familiar symbol etched on the trunk of a tree, just like the ones at Enoch's cabin. The sight sent a cold shiver down my spine. This symbol was different, more elaborate, and its presence here was not just unusual, it was ominous. A thought flashed through my mind, a horrible suspicion. Could Enoch be involved in the boy's disappearance? As soon as it emerged, I tried to dismiss it. The reclusive, albeit eccentric, woodsman didn't strike me as malicious, but the unease lingered, growing with the sight of every etched tree I passed. The disappearance rattled the peace within the park, turning the serene escape into a hotbed of whispered rumors and palpable fear. The once idyllic whispering pines felt darker, its silence heavy with the absence of the missing boy. Fueled by a rising dread, I resolved to confront Enoch. As much as I wanted to dismiss my suspicions, the link between his symbols and the disappearance was hard to ignore. I was a park ranger, a guardian of this natural haven, and if Enoch was a threat to that, I had to uncover the truth. The next morning, with a heavy heart, I headed towards the enigmatic cabin in the woods, the place where this strange chapter of my life had begun. I had no idea how to broach my suspicions or what to expect from Enoch, but I knew I had to try. The forest watched in silence as I neared the cabin, its eerie tranquility now a haunting backdrop to the brewing storm. Stealing myself, I approached the cabin door. Before I could knock, 
The door creaked open, revealing Enoch standing in the dim light. He stared at me, his eyes reflecting an uncanny calm, a stark contrast to the turmoil building within me. Little did I know I was walking into a confrontation that would reveal a terrifying truth, turning my world upside down and driving me further into the heart of the unimaginable mystery that Whispering Pines held. Enoch's piercing gaze greeted me as I stepped into the cabin. It was as if he had been expecting me, a chilling thought that amplified my apprehension. I stood awkwardly in the gloomy interior, my mind scrambling to find words. Enoch, I began, my voice faltering under the weight of my suspicion. There's a boy missing in the park. We found your symbols near the area he was last seen. Enoch's reaction was startlingly unreadable. He continued to stare at me, his eyes never leaving my face. And you think I am to blame? He asked, his voice as calm as a still pond. I didn't say that, I stammered, taken aback by his directness. Yet, you thought it, he interjected, the slightest hint of a smile playing on his lips. Before I could reply, Enoch turned his back to me and walked to the far end of the cabin. He picked up an old, worn-out book and handed it to me. The leather-bound book felt heavy, its pages filled with the same symbols that adorned the cabin walls. Read, he said simply. With a heavy heart, I opened the book. My heart pounded in my chest as I flipped through the pages, the cryptic symbols looming ominously from the aged parchment. I looked up at Enoch, confusion written all over my face. I can't understand these, I admitted, a knot of fear tightening in my stomach. Enoch took a step towards me, his eyes bearing into mine. The boy is not lost, he said cryptically. He's been chosen. Chosen? I echoed, a chill running down my spine. Enoch nodded, his gaze intense. By the forest. Every few generations it chooses someone. For what purpose, I cannot say. It's an ancient pact, a balance that needs to be maintained. His words hung in the air like a terrifying prophecy. The connection between Enoch, the symbols, and the disappearances began to make a terrifying sense. My initial suspicion of Enoch was replaced by a horrifying realization. The forest, the serene haven I had loved and protected, was not just a simple haven, it was a living, breathing entity with an inexplicable, primal ritual. In the haunting silence that followed, I found myself grappling with this revelation. The missing boy, the strange symbols, Enoch's peculiar behavior, they were all part of a sinister narrative that had remained hidden in the depths of Whispering Pines. Enoch's revelation was a frightening twist in my quest for answers, plunging me further into the realm of the unknown. A heavy sense of foreboding settled within me as I left the cabin, the peaceful chirping of the forest birds now sounding like a chilling chorus. As I trudged back to my post, I couldn't shake off the dread that this was only the beginning, that the forest held more terrifying secrets in its silent, brooding depths. My role as a park ranger had taken an unexpected turn, transforming into a dreadful pursuit of understanding an ancient, supernatural pact. The tranquility of Whispering Pines had been shattered, replaced with a spectral echo of fear that seemed to whisper with the wind. In the days that followed, the truth of Enoch's revelation weighed heavily upon me. I found myself staring at the forest, seeing it not just as a peaceful sanctuary, but as an enigmatic living entity with a terrifying agenda. Driven by a desperate need for answers, I found myself at the doorstep of the Whispering Pines Historical Society. Its musty, dimly lit rooms were filled with old town records, artifacts, and yellowed photographs. 
If there was any truth to Enoch's words, some record or mention of past disappearances must exist in this archive. Hours turned into days as I sifted through ancient documents, searching for anything that could shed light on Enoch's chilling claims. I was just about to give up when I stumbled upon a series of newspaper clippings from the early 19th century. Each told a similar story, unexplained disappearances of young individuals in the park, their fates remaining a mystery. An icy chill gripped me as I connected the dots. The stories dated back hundreds of years, each disappearance occurring every few decades, just as Enoch had mentioned. Even more terrifying were the faded sketches accompanying some reports. They portrayed symbols eerily similar to the ones Enoch etched on the trees and cabin walls. A sense of dread washed over me as I realized that these weren't just markings, they were warnings. The historical society fell silent around me, its quiet a haunting echo of the terror that filled my heart. My mind reeled with the implications of what I had discovered. A cycle of disappearances, spanning centuries, all linked by Enoch symbols. Returning to the park, I found myself looking at the serene woods with newfound horror. Each rustle of the leaves, every whisper of the wind, seemed ominous. The joy and peace that the forest had once held for me were now replaced with a gnawing fear. I was caught in a terrifying reality that was as unbelievable as it was undeniable. The tranquil whispering pines was the host to a sinister pattern, a dark ritual that preyed on unsuspecting souls. As I grappled with this knowledge, a sense of grim determination filled me. The park and its people were my responsibility. I had to find a way to break this cycle, to save the missing boy, to protect future visitors from the forest's eerie ritual. With each passing day, I felt myself being pulled deeper into the mystery. Enoch's cabin, once a strange curiosity, now stood as a gateway to understanding the forest's terrifying secret. I knew what I had to do. Confront Enoch again, learn more about the symbols, the ritual, the chosen ones. As I made my way towards the cabin, the forest seemed to watch me, its shadows stretching long and dark across my path. A sense of foreboding hung heavy in the air, the peace of the forest disrupted by the disturbing truth lurking in its depths. As the cabin came into sight, I steeled myself for what lay ahead. Little did I know the revelations were far from over, and my journey into the heart of Whispering Pine's haunting secret was only just beginning. Standing in front of Enoch's cabin, I felt a wave of apprehension. The forest seemed to breathe around me, its eeriness amplified by my newfound knowledge. The symbols etched around the cabin door seemed to mock me with their silence, their cryptic language a constant reminder of the dark mystery I was entangled in. Taking a deep breath, I knocked. The door creaked open, revealing Enoch's scrutinizing gaze. His eyes bore into me, almost as if he could see the tumult of emotions swirling within me. I found them, Enoch, I began, my voice filled with a sense of urgency. The disappearances, the symbols in the archives, it's all true, isn't it? Enoch's silence was answer enough. I need to understand, I pleaded. The Chosen Ones, what happens to them? Can it be stopped? Enoch sighed, his age seeming to weigh upon him more than ever. He motioned for me to sit, a seriousness cloaking his usually unreadable expression. Understanding requires listening, he started, listening not to the forest's whispers, but to its silence. His cryptic words hung in the air as he led me towards a worn-out map of the park hanging on the cabin wall. The map was old, lines faded and marked with the same symbols I had become far too familiar with. 
The chosen ones, Enoch began, his voice a mere whisper, are not victims, but keepers. Keepers? I echoed, confusion gripping me. Yes, they are chosen by the forest to maintain a balance, he continued, tracing a symbol on the map. They communicate with the forest, speak its language, keep its secrets. Their disappearance is not a loss, but a transition. His words spun around me, creating a whirlwind of terror and disbelief. I thought about the missing boy, his terrified parents, and my duty as a park ranger to protect the visitors. But why them? I asked, desperation creeping into my voice. Why can't it be someone like, like you? Enoch's gaze met mine, a profound sadness in his eyes. It could have been, he confessed. Once upon a time I was chosen, but I resisted. And ever since, the forest chooses another every few generations. His confession struck me like a thunderbolt. Enoch, the mysterious hermit, was not just a bystander, but a part of the forest's eerie cycle. The cabin, his symbols, his understanding of the forest were all remnants of his selection and refusal. This revelation stirred a potent mix of fear, compassion, and resolve within me. If Enoch could resist, maybe the cycle could be broken, the chosen ones saved. As the protector of the park, I felt compelled to try. Taking a deep breath, I looked at Enoch, my determination reflected in my eyes. Teach me, I implored. Teach me the language of the forest. Enoch studied me for a moment, the weight of centuries reflected in his gaze. Then he nodded, a silent agreement that set me on a path I could never have imagined. A journey into the depths of Whispering Pine's ancient, silent language. A journey to possibly save the Chosen Ones. The days following Enoch's agreement were filled with intense learning. The old hermit proved to be a rigorous teacher, revealing to me the mysteries of the forest language. Each symbol I discovered was not merely an etching but a word, a sentence, a story. My mornings began with studying the symbols, learning their shapes, their meanings. Enoch explained each one, his voice steady as he shared tales and histories that these symbols had conveyed through centuries. In the afternoons we would venture into the forest, Enoch guiding me to the trees marked with symbols. I learned to understand the forest's whispers, its silences, its sighs. I felt the forest responding to my presence, its ancient spirit acknowledging my efforts. One symbol, however, Enoch held back, the symbol related to the Chosen Ones. He promised to teach it to me only when he deemed me ready. As days turned into weeks, I found myself growing closer to the forest than ever before. I could feel its pulse, its ebbs and flows. The wind no longer sounded alien, instead it hummed familiar tunes. Each rustle of leaves became a whispered secret, each creak of branches a coded message. However, amidst this newfound connection, my primary goal never wavered. I had to find a way to save the chosen ones. With each passing day, my resolve hardened, my determination fueled by the understanding of the forest and its ancient pact. One day, after weeks of rigorous training, Enoch finally revealed the symbol associated with the Chosen Ones. He traced it on the ground, his fingers steady, his expression solemn. It was the most complex symbol I had seen so far, a twisted, convoluted mass of lines and curves. Enoch explained its intricate design, its multiple layers. He spoke of the Chosen Ones, their role as keepers, their fate within the forest's embrace. Listening to his explanation, I felt a wave of dread wash over me. This was the symbol linked to the disappeared boy, the one whose fate had pulled me into this surreal journey. I realized then 
that understanding this symbol was only the beginning. The real challenge lay in finding a way to interact with it, to negotiate with the forest. In the days that followed, I immersed myself in understanding the symbol, practicing it, engraving it in my mind. I felt its weight, its significance. It was a potent mix of fear and responsibility. Through this, my connection with Enoch grew stronger. He was no longer just a hermit, but my mentor, a guide through this complex labyrinth of ancient language and timeless rituals. Despite the gravity of my quest, there were moments of tranquility. There were moments when I would stop and gaze at the vast expanse of whispering pines, its beauty now intertwined with a sense of foreboding and wonder. As the days rolled on, I prepared myself for what was to come, a confrontation with the forest, a plea for the chosen one, a clash between duty and ancient rites. The tranquil woods were not just a sanctuary anymore. They were an adversary, a mystery, a mentor. I was ready to delve deeper, to change the course of an ancient pact, or at least try. The day of confrontation finally arrived. I stood at the edge of the forest, the symbol of the chosen ones etched into my mind, my resolve burning brighter than ever. I looked at Enoch, his aged face unreadable, yet his eyes were filled with a mix of anticipation and concern. He had taught me all he knew, guiding me through the forest's complex language. Now, it was my time to put it all to use. Bidding him a silent farewell, I stepped into the embrace of the woods, the familiar rustle of leaves greeting me. The once soothing whispers of the wind now felt like a challenge, a silent dare from the ancient entity I was about to confront. Guided by Enoch's instructions, I headed to the heart of the forest. The deeper I went, the stronger I felt the presence of the forest. It was as if it was aware of my intent, its silence reverberating with unspoken anticipation. As I reached the heart of the forest, I found the tree, ancient and imposing, marked with the symbol of the Chosen Ones. A feeling of dread and awe washed over me as I traced my fingers over the symbol. Summoning my courage, I began to communicate using the forest's language. I traced the symbols in the air, each stroke a plea, each curve a negotiation. The symbols hung in the air like silent prayers, vibrating with my desperate intent. As I communicated, the forest responded. The wind whipped around me, the leaves rustling in fervor. I felt a strange energy pulsating from the tree, a powerful force acknowledging my plea. With each passing moment, my plea grew more urgent, my symbols more elaborate. I was a ranger pleading for a life, a student using the language of the ancient woods to alter its course. Hours passed, or maybe it was just minutes. Time seemed to blur in the throes of the forest's silent conversation. As I traced the final curve of my plea, a profound silence descended. Exhausted, I fell to my knees, my heart pounding in my chest. The silence was deafening, echoing my desperation and fear. Then, in the depth of the silence, I heard it. A whisper, a sigh, a rustle. The symbol of the Chosen Ones, etched on the ancient tree, began to glow faintly. I watched in awe as the convoluted symbol started shifting, its lines moving, its curves bending. It was changing, responding to my plea. The forest had heard me. In that moment I felt a rush of hope, fear, and exhilaration. The forest, with its ancient rites and mysterious ways, had listened to my plea. But whether it agreed, I couldn't say. As I made my way back to Enoch, the forest seemed different. Not a sanctuary, not an adversary 
but an ancient entity capable of listening and perhaps changing. The eerie silence of the woods was no longer intimidating. It was filled with an unspoken promise, a cryptic response to my plea. Whether I had changed the fate of the Chosen Ones or not, only time would tell. As the ranger of Whispering Pines, I had done my duty. Now, all that remained was to wait and hope. Returning from the heart of the forest, I felt a strange calm envelop me. It was as if a massive weight had been lifted off my shoulders. Despite the uncertainty, the exhaustion, I felt a spark of hope. As I neared Enoch's cabin, I saw him waiting anxiously at the door. His gaze searched my face, looking for answers, for signs. I merely nodded, my expression stoic, my thoughts still swirling in the forest's silent response. In the following days, a tense quietude fell over whispering pines. The forest seemed to hum in anticipation, its usual serene whispering replaced with a resonating silence. It was as if time had slowed down, each second stretching into eternity as we waited for a sign, a change, a miracle. I kept myself busy, patrolling the park, reassuring the worried visitors, maintaining a semblance of normalcy while my mind buzzed with constant questions. Each day ended with a visit to Enoch's cabin, a ritual of shared silence and unspoken hope. It was during one such visit, after a fortnight of my confrontation with the forest, that something extraordinary happened. As we sat in silence, a rustle outside the cabin caught our attention. Emerging from the thick foliage was the missing boy, dazed and confused, but alive. His reappearance brought a wave of shock, relief, and awe. I watched as Enoch's eyes widened in surprise, the hermit taken aback by this impossible occurrence. After centuries of observing the unchanging cycle, seeing the boy alive and back from the forest was a twist in the tale he hadn't expected. News of the boy's return spread like wildfire through the town, turning whispering pines into a flurry of excitement and relief. His parents wept in joy, their lost hope rekindled, their prayers answered. In the midst of the commotion, I found myself standing at the edge of the forest, my gaze locked on the heart of the woods. It had listened, it had considered, it had altered its course. The boy's return brought joy and relief, but it also brought questions. What had he experienced? Did he remember anything? Was he a keeper now, or just a boy who got lost in the woods? As much as I wanted to delve into these questions, I knew better. He needed rest, peace, a chance to return to normalcy. As days turned into weeks, life in Whispering Pines resumed its steady pace. The park was filled with the sound of laughter and chatter. The forest's eerie silence replaced with its tranquil whispering. Despite this, the experience had changed something within me. The forest was no longer just a part of my job. It was an entity I had communicated with, negotiated with. Enoch was no longer just a hermit. He was a mentor, a guide into the forest's enigmatic world. The park was no longer just a sanctuary. It was a site of an ancient ritual, a place of mystery and wonder. With these revelations, I continued my journey as the park ranger of Whispering Pines, my role now imbued with a deeper understanding, a profound connection, and a tale that I would carry with me for the rest of my life. Days after his return, the boy started talking about his experience. His words were hazy, filled with fragmented memories and obscure images. Yet, between his broken sentences and confused expressions, a pattern emerged, a pattern too eerily similar to the tales Enoch had shared with me. 
The boy spoke of the forest's embrace, of walking on a path that seemed to appear from nowhere. He mentioned a light that guided him deeper into the woods, a silent whisper that kept him company. He described an enormous ancient tree marked with symbols, the forest's heart that pulsed with a strange energy. Each word he spoke echoed the forest's ancient language, the ritual of the chosen ones. The boy may not have realized it, but he was recounting his transition as a keeper. The forest had chosen him, had started the transition, but then it had let him go. His return had given me hope, his tale a sense of accomplishment. I had reached out to the forest, and it had responded. The cycle could be broken, or at least paused, and I had played a part in it. One day I decided to show the boy some symbols, the ones that I had learned from Enoch. As he looked at them, his eyes widened, a glimmer of recognition flashing across his face. These, these were there, on the tree, he stammered, pointing at the symbol of the Chosen Ones. The confirmation was a bittersweet realization. He had seen the symbol, been part of the ancient ritual, but he had been released, allowed to return to his normal life. It was a moment of victory and a moment of understanding. In the days that followed, I found myself drawn to the forest, not as a ranger, but as a mediator, a communicator. I listened to its whispers, respected its silence, and in return, it unveiled more of its secrets. It was a silent pact, a bond nurtured by understanding and respect. The boy slowly returned to his normal life, his memories of the forest fading into fragmented dreams. Yet a change in him was visible, a certain calmness, a strange connection with the woods. He was not a keeper, but he was not just a boy who had lost his way either. As for Enoch, he continued his solitary life. However, a sense of contentment had replaced his brooding demeanor. He had witnessed the impossible, seen a shift in an unchanging cycle, and despite his years of solitude and cynicism, he had been a part of that change. My journey as a park ranger of Whispering Pines took a new turn, a turn filled with enigmatic whispers, silent conversations, and a profound connection with the forest and its ancient rites. I was not just a protector of the park anymore. I was a keeper of its secrets, a learner of its ancient language. And as for the forest, it was not just a part of the park. It was an entity, a silent spectator, a mysterious mentor, and together we continued our silent pact, our journey towards understanding and coexistence. Whispering Pines was no longer just a park for me. It had become a part of my identity, a part of my existence. The forest, with its ancient secrets and silent whispers, was now a part of my soul. In the months that followed, life found its rhythm. The boy resumed his regular life, his memories of the forest dwindling into dreamlike fragments. He visited the park frequently, his bond with the forest more profound than any other visitor. He was a living testament of the forest's change, of its break from the ancient cycle. Enoch, on the other hand, continued his life of solitude. However, his interaction with the outside world increased. He often visited the park, engaging with visitors, sharing tales of the forest, his tales now imbued with a note of hope. He became a storyteller, the keeper of the forest's lore, his stories echoing the ancient whispers of the woods. As for me, my role as the park ranger transformed into something more significant, more intimate. I became the bridge between the forest and the people, an interpreter of its silent language, a protector of its ancient secrets. My days were spent patrolling the park, ensuring its protection, while my evenings were devoted to the forest, 
deciphering its whispers, understanding its symbols. One day, as I walked towards the heart of the forest, I felt a shift in the air, a familiar rustle of leaves. The silence of the woods was not eerie anymore. It was comforting, welcoming. Reaching the ancient tree, I traced the symbol of the Chosen Ones. It was no longer a symbol of dread, but a symbol of hope, a testament to the forest's change, to its ability to adapt. Standing there, amidst the towering trees and rustling leaves, I realized my life had come full circle. I was no longer the apprehensive ranger who had stepped into Whispering Pines a year ago. I was a part of the forest, a part of its unending cycle of life, a part of its ancient lore. My journey had been a series of unexpected revelations, surreal encounters, and profound learnings. I had entered the park as a ranger, but emerged as a mediator, a learner of an ancient language, a friend of the forest. And while the forest remained an enigmatic entity, it was no longer a mystery I wished to solve. It was a mystery I cherished, a mystery I respected. As I continued my life in Whispering Pines, I realized the park and its ancient forest were not just parts of my job, they were a part of me, my existence intertwined with their whispers and silences. Each rustle of leaves carried a tale, each silent breeze a secret, each marked tree a symbol, binding me closer to the woods, to its enigmatic essence. As I walked back from the forest that day, I knew I was not just leaving the heart of the forest, I was carrying it with me. Whispering Pines was not just a park, it was a home, a sanctuary, a mentor, and as its park ranger, I was not just its protector. I was its voice, its student, its friend. And so, in the silent language of the forest, my journey continued, my story entwined with the ancient whispers of whispering pines. In the end, I was not just the park ranger. I was a part of the forest's tale, a character in its endless story, a chosen one in my own right, 